Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Guys, the Mets are uh, showing signs of life. Uh, despite more injury issues, things just keep on moving right along. Well, uh, break down what we had this week, break down what's coming uh, coming around the bend, and, and take it from there. So coming into Wednesday's games, uh, the Mets offense has been just dreadful. 13 runs scored over the last eight games, uh, 201 batting average as a team over the last two weeks, just pitiful. You hate to see it. Under these circumstances, that's kind of bound to happen. Um, the bench mob, as they're so affectionately referred to, they were only going to take this group so far before the wheels kind of fell off. Uh, we watched it happen in real time over the last few weeks. And that's not to discredit the um, the healthy dose of amazing that we saw transpire over the last two plus months. It's just that we all turn back into pumpkins at one point or another. <laughs> um, injuries have continued to kind of take their toll on this group from the start of the year. Obstacles have just kept on revealing themselves on a really consistent basis. And this team just keeps on picking themselves up and plugging away. Uh, now that the tide has actually started to turn and the Mets find themselves, you know, four games up in the division, um, you know, it's unexpected to say the least, but the challenge is they're not going to end there. Um, you know, certainly pat yourselves on the back for getting this far. Um, I think everyone deserves, you know, a lot of credit for not only keeping the mindset good, but actually producing uh, the pitching. Uh, the Mets wouldn't have been this far without the pitching, and we'll get into that shortly because now – once again, the Mets are forced to kind of change things on the fly and adapt and adjust. But um, you have McNeil and Conforto. They're back in the lineup, which it's already paying dividends. We'll talk about that soon. Uh, you know, Marcus Stroman gave everyone a good scare. He came out of his start on Tuesday in the second inning with left hip soreness. You know, that would have been an absolute, just a blow and a half. Uh, Stroman's been a foundational piece to this puzzle. And, you know, the Mets can ill afford to lose such a, a sturdy leg. Uh, Louis Rojas says he expects him to make he expects him to make his next start. That was a tongue twister, and that's huge. I think um, he referred to Stroman as a bulldog, and that's a pretty apt description. You know, the guy just wants to help his team win ball games, and he's done so very, very efficiently this season. Uh, Joey Lucchese, we got some really, really tough news on him. Uh, he's indeed done for the season. It was confirmed his UCL tear will uh, will necessitate. Tommy John surgery, and that's an absolute shame. We've talked a bunch about Lucchese's progress this season, uh, why and how that took place. Tim Britton over at The Athletic, friend of the podcast, he laid out the changes that Lucchese made to his delivery to kind of shore up some uh, tipping or telegraphing his pitches, um, issues along those lines. And we spoke here a bunch of times on the Apple and on the podcast, kind of about the deceptive nature of Lucchese's approach replicating spin directions, shit like that. Sorry, stuff like that. I'm going to make a conscious effort not to curse so much. I got a comment on, I don't know if it was the Apple or, or on the pod page itself, but someone was very offended when I went off on Bob Brandley. And I get it. I, I understand. I tried to end that off with, I'm sorry for getting upset. But anyway, um, back to Lucchese. A, just a gut punch to see that process come to such a screeching halt. Um Joey Lucchese's under team control through 2024, I believe. So there's plenty of time for him to come back healthy, continue his ascent. I think that, you know, the team certainly got a good idea of what he brings to the table. 
um, over the last few weeks. I think, you know, maybe it was type of best case scenario stuff, but um, is in Lucchese's case individually, there's going to be so many positives to build off of, so much kind of momentum behind that recovery and to kind of keep him focused because, boy, he's like, I had it and I'm going to get it back. And uh, really just certainly rooting for him to um, to come back soon, come back stronger and, and, and keep on doing what he's doing because it was very fun to watch. Um, as for Strowman, you know, he's – they say he's healthy. He's, as we just noted, a bulldog. If he's interested in crossing this bridge, which is a big if – if I'm Steve Cohen, I'm putting pen to paper on a long-term extension before the All-Star break with Marcus Stroman. And again, if he's willing, Stroman may very well want to test the free agent waters, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, he's earned that. He's, he's certainly earning his paycheck, uh, his future paychecks in earnest this season. He's just He's been terrific. He's 2.32 ERA over his first 15 starts. Um, really, I, I don't think the Mets have made a a smarter move than extending him the qualifying offer last year um, in recent memory and, and since. It's been an absolute godsend. I mean, you can look at Taiwan Walker and say the same thing. He, Taiwan Walker said the Mets were the only team to offer him a contract. And, hey, you know, I think that speaks even further to what this front office and just what this organization has been able to do in such a short amount of time as far as changing the school of thought and getting things on track and saying, hey, this is a player that's going to make us better. We want him. We got him. Marcus Stroman, he's in his prime. He's, you know, just stays so dedicated to his craft and moves with the waves of adjustments that hitters make to him so seamlessly. Um, the leadership, the the fan interaction, this is a guy that you want in the mix. Um, I, I hope that the Mets are at least entertaining the idea of offering Stroman a long-term contract uh, come the offseason. I hope that Marcus Stroman, I guess all of us as fans, hope that Marcus Stroman is uh, is willing to come back to New York, but we're going to have to you know, cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, the future aside, <laughs> the Mets may need to begin exploring external options to fill the gaps uh, this season. You know, the absence of Lucchese, uh, Robert Gazelman, who we talked a little bit about, he tore his lat. He's now shut down through early August at the very least. It's probably doubtful. It's accurate to say it's doubtful if we see him again this season. Uh, Carlos Correa, and that's, you know what, to talk about Gazelman real quick, that's an absolute shame. He's been terrific this year. Um, makes me wonder, it, I think if you look back at his numbers, going into his outing in Baltimore last week, he came in with like a sub, I want to say a mid two, maybe 2.4 something ERA. And over his last five out, or three outings, let up five earned runs, and that ballooned up to 3.7 something. Gizelman, another, like Lucchese, finally found his way, except we saw him kind of go through his development, and we watched that happen. But, you know, this is a guy who was eating up multiple innings at a time uh, with the, I guess, the condition that the back end of the Mets rotation was in for most of the season, not knowing what you're going to get out of Lucchese, not knowing what you're going to get out of Peterson, you know, those long men were very, very valuable. And, you know, in Gazelman's case, it's a, uh, it's a blow to the team and it's a blow to him. He finally figured it out. And now he's got to put it all back together. Of course, the, you know, the comeback trails and as long as Lucchese's, who's going to be out for, you know, 12 to 18 months, 
but you know, you got to hope to see Gazelman back healthy this year. Um, very curious to see if he remains in, in Queens. I don't even know his contract status, but, um, yeah, he's come around. He would be a cheap option, a cheap, reliable depth piece in a, in a bullpen that's always going to need it. Every bullpen needs reliable depth pieces, but I've gotten off track once again. Um, the sobering jolt that we received as Marcus Stroman left the game on Tuesday, it kind of made the reality of this roster's remaining shortcomings very obvious. And yeah, we've seen guys step up, but that's not going to last forever, as we just saw. Um, Atlanta, Philly, and Washington, they all entered Wednesday four games back of the Mets in the division. Uh, Washington actually leapfrogged them heading into Thursday. Uh, they secured uh, nine, nine wins in ten games. <laughs> took a, a, I don't want to, I'm not sure if I'm going to call it a thriller or a, a just a, a squeamish kind of, uh, it, it wasn't pretty, but boy, that was an exciting ball game. Uh, Nats won 13-12. There must have been, I don't know, a half dozen lead changes, two grand slams, two three-run homers. It was awesome. But, you know, this team, this division is going to be fighting all season long. It's going to happen. So the Mets have to keep pace, if not start to pull ahead very soon. It's coming time to kind of reinforce that bottom line, especially considering that, you know, some of your pieces are starting to fall apart. And, um, and that's not like, you know, this is, it's a natural progression. These guys just came off of a very short season after a really weird off season. And they're coming in now and, and their bodies are readjusting to pretty much back to a full season. And they've already eclipsed that 60 game mark. So I'm not going to be surprised if the Mets and teams all around the league start to see more and more, players get hurt and more guys miss time. And, you know, it's going to be up to the Mets to kind of either get out ahead of those moves and really shore up their their weak spots or, or just get everything reinforced. Or it's going to be on to the, uh, the, the returning now healthy players and the bench mob behind them to kind of keep this momentum going. But I, I you know, I'd rather prepare uh, in earnest. And if you see a move that's going to, kind of make the team better, you, you, you kind of have to go for it. We heard Zach Scott say that the team is willing to listen on anything regarding their high-end prospects, which is a bit of a change from where they were uh, in the offseason. Sandy Alverson stated that he really wasn't trying to move many of his, uh, of his prospects or one of many of their high-end prospects because, again, after all, the last ma- management group kind of <laughs> ripped and tore the, uh, the farm system apart, but you know, where the Mets might turn to fill some of their needs and what they might be willing to part with to get that done, it's going to be, you know, determined along the way. But, you know, they should have plenty of options. They may, they may also end up paying out the ass to acquire suitable players, but that's par for the course, especially when someone in the Mets position both in the standings and in the pocketbook now. So, of course, I think we talked about it on the Apple if the Reds' Luis Castillo is made available, that's by far our top pick. Um, he's a free agent through 2024 season. Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, give the Reds what they want. Make that move. He's – oh, I'm sorry. My apologies. He's a free agent after next season. Just pony up. Show the rest of the division. Show the rest of baseball what, sh- what they should expect out of this franchise moving forward. You know, the Steve Cohen show is just getting started. Um, 
we've seen encouraging signs over uh, <laughs> over the last day, I should say. Just guys coming back healthy, uh, more guys coming back coming healthy, uh, coming back healthy down the pike. Um, yeah, it's going to be a uh, an exciting second half, to say the least. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll pick it up here after we hear from our sponsors. Hang tight. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel because right now you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Comcast has built a broadband network with one simple purpose, to keep customers connected every single day. In the last 10 years, we have invested $30 billion and $15 billion since 2017 alone to keep America's largest gig speed broadband network fast, secure, and reliable. Because more Americans rely on Comcast to stay connected, we work around the clock to build a better network every single day. Comcast, better today, even better tomorrow. Learn more at comcast.com network. The Fall Line is a true crime podcast covering the coldest cases in the southeastern United States and occasionally beyond. We focus on the missing persons, the unsolved murders, and the unidentified does that don't get media attention. Empathetic and intensively researched, The Fall Line will take you on deep dives into unsolved cases that you've never heard of and make you wonder why you haven't. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome back. So on the offensive side of things, um, again, on the pitching side, things have been terrific. Maybe the Mets need to make a move as far as filling gaps. We shall see. I'm not going to make any bold predictions. Again, check out Tim Britton at The Athletic. He's broken down a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different options as far as where the Mets might go in the absence of Joey Lucchese and the uncertainty of the uh 2021 futures of Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard. So, um, again, TBD, cross that bridge soon. On the offensive side of things, we talked about it a little earlier. The Mets fell off a cliff. The bench mob finally um, ran out of gas. And that's not a knock on this group of players. They've gotten this team so far in the last few weeks. It's been um, an extremely exciting ride. It's been a roller coaster, (laughs) but it's been a very exciting ride. In the last, I guess, what was it? In the last eight games before Wednesday, they had scored 13 runs. They went two and six over that span. You know, the uh, the fan sentiment went from very excited to extremely uneasy, really fast once again. And, and that's you know that's par for the course. That's going to happen um, with high expectations and such a passionate fan base. Sure, um, a bad inning, a bad outing, a bad game, a bad week. You know these will will have reactions <laughs> throughout the uh, throughout the throngs of Mets faithful, but again, this is just how it is. On Wednesday night, we saw Michael Conforto come back into the lineup after Jeff McNeil returned. Uh, what was that Tuesday? 
Um, and it made all the difference. And who, who would have thought it? You know, you just, <laughs> it's the best Kool-Aid in the world. Just add a little scooter and stir. But, you know, it, it provides protection for everyone in the lineup. Um, you'll see that kind of chain reaction continue to take place. And Louis Rojas said it after the game on Wednesday, connecting, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase. I don't have the quote in front of me. Connecting McNeil, Lindor and Conforto at the top. It let the rest of the lineup sort of breathe. Um, Having Luis Guillorme contribute a two hit game from the eight hole kind of spread that even further, but you know, it extends down to a, a, a James McCann who had two hits and over time it's going to extend to a Pete Alonzo and a, a Dominic Smith. And it's going to provide the Mets with different looks. Pitchers are going to have to prepare for a full lineup as opposed to a, you know, a three out of eight lineup. <laughs> and, and it's going to change their game plans and the Mets, you know, if you got a red-hot Pete Alonso hitting behind a red-hot Michael Conforto, you know, pick your poison. And that goes for one through eight. I mean, if, if it's your McNeil, Lindor, Conforto, Alonso, McCann, Dom Smith, Nimmo, whatever, if it's your regular starting eight, um, you know, like I just said, pick – go ahead. Uh, who are you going to attack? You're going to have all these options. You're going to have to pitch to somebody. And um, you're not going to be able to exploit your – and again, this isn't a knock on Billy McKinney, but I think he's hitting like 182 over the last two weeks. And that was bound to happen. You can't expose non-major league – non-major league regular caliber players as – you know, to a regular – to regular consistent playing time. It's just not going to work out. So, you know, in, in the Mets case, now they have these depth options in McKinney in – Jonathan VR, who's probably going to see a lot of starting time as well. Uh, Jose Peraza. You know, you have all these guys who won't have to be leaned on as regular contributors anymore. They can go back to doing what they do, and that's just being very, very capable depth pieces. Even Kevin Pillar. Look, I mean, Kevin Pillar, he, he certainly played his way into consistent playing time. Is he going to be a starter every day? No, probably not. There's just too much talent around this roster. But in the big picture, in 2021, in let's say mid-season July 2021, is there really many better options as a fourth outfielder, as a clubhouse leader, as a pinch hitter than Kevin Pillar? I mean, that's where this roster is. And that's kind of a – it's a feather in the cap to the moves that this team made in the offseason – to add capable depth, it's it speaks volumes to the ability to kind of adapt on the fly over the last two months, and they're coming out of the end of the, out of the other side of this tunnel, and they got a four game lead in the division. Like this is um, the the foundation for magic. There's no other way to put it. And yeah, Lindor's been up and down, and I think we're starting to. It's painful. It's it's not painfully obvious. It's very obvious that. Um, he's just as frustrated as the fans are. But, you know, if you take look at the macro instead of the micro, you know, yeah, he, he hit really well for a month. And then he went like five for 40. And then he's turned it around. I think he's the second most productive hitter on the Mets in June. I think our buddy Matt Brownstein. What up, Matt? My freaking boy. What's happening? Got to have you back on the show soon and catch a game with you. But I saw him put up before. He's this um, 
Lindor's 134 weighted runs created plus is second most on the team in June, behind, behind of course, James McCann, who that's all, who we all had pegged as the, uh, the Mets' June MVP on the uh, offensive side of things. But, you know, this is kind of just where this is led. And now with guys coming back and, and everyone finding their groove together, um, I, I think the sky's the limit. And Lindor said it after the game on Wednesday. This isn't where the, this team wants to be. They, he, he, I'm paraphrasing again, there's another gear to this group. And I think that's very, very obvious again, that if everyone's clicking, this is a team that, at least on the offensive side, nobody wants to face come October. If you have your top three still performing at the level that they are in DeGrom, Stroman, and Taiwan Walker, this is a, a team that nobody's going to want to face in October. And if they play up to their capabilities – boy, they're going to make some waves. And with the inconsistencies that you're seeing out West from the Dodgers, I think those, those Dodgers-Padres series are some of the f- most fun baseball we've seen. Um, just the past two nights with full capacity in San Diego, I've stayed up and awesome, awesome, awesome to watch. So cool. But they're going to beat each other up out there and throw the Giants into that mix too. Um, love what the Giants are doing. Really, really like that roster. Another group that's been able to, uh, front office group that's been able to come in and just get the most out of these, this group, saw the value in their existing core and just added the right pieces to it. Uh, again, very fun team. Um, you, you, we're going to see a lot of just rumbling. And I think once the dust settles, the Mets are arguably the most prepared for a deep run. And yeah, that's going to come back to them making the right moves as the trade deadline approaches and um, knowing when to pull a trigger, knowing when not to, and to have an eye on the future with regards to their prospect cachet. But, you know, um, things have worked out as better as anybody could have predicted as far as keeping the, the goal within reach. Um, the, the carrot is dangling and where wherever – you know, however close that this organization feels that they are to actually grabbing that carrot come July 30th or 31st, whenever the deadline is this year, um, they're going to have to kind of approach that with caution. If it's up to me, I make a push. You don't know if Conforto's coming back next year. You don't know if DeGrom is going to be continue to be DeGrom. He just turned 33 years old. I mean – you don't know whether you don't know anything. What you do know is that this team is there's something special happening here. There's something magical within those clubhouse doors happening as far as camaraderie and actual team building. People write books about this shit. This team is, is an example of that process. And uh, yeah, I think if they're close and if they are still playing well and they still have a lead, you hammer that shit down, you bring in some pieces, and you make a real run. What better way to cap off the last – I'll stretch it out to two years. Um, as a society, as Mets fans, as a just a, a, as human beings, what better way to cap off the last 18 months, two years, than, than this team making a push and winning a World Series? I'm an Islanders fan. Anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that. I write about the Islanders for Isles blog sometimes. 
what we're seeing now from the Islanders, uh, you know, they, I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon. Wednesday night, the Islanders sent things to Game 7 with an overtime win um, at the Coliseum. You know, I could stick my head out my window and hear cheering in every single direction. And that's for the Islanders. And, you know, New York's a very hockey um, a hockey hotbed as far as fandom, even players now. But can you imagine the atmosphere if the Mets win? And, you know, I think Dr. Fauci just came out this week and said that, you know, we can go out 4th of July and do whatever we want if we're vaccinated, which everybody, get your fucking shots. Um but can you guys imagine the party that will ensue in October if this team actually pulls it off? And, I, and you know, now they have the, the wherewithal in the front office to make the right moves. They have the money to make any move that they want to move, that they, that they are inclined to make. They have the high-end prospects. And, again, at this point, you're just stripping the farm system down to nothing. But there's the gamble. Do you – Part with a Brett Beatty or a Ronnie Mauricio to get a World Series ring this year. Ask a Cubs fan. They'll tell you, was it worth it trading away your future for a World Series ring? I can't tell you one way or the other because I, I don't, I'm honestly not sure. I think I want that fucking ring. I know, I know, I know, I'm not getting a ring. Steve, Mr. Cohen, Mr. C, if you want to give me a ring after you guys win one, I'm happy to take it, bro. But, you know, I'm not expecting one. That's a shame. I gotta go. I put in a request. Someone start a uh, start a, start something for me. I, I gotta get myself a World Series ring. Um, anyway, it just there's a direction for this team to go, um, and that's up. They have the core in place. They have the momentum and the confidence that's been built. I, I can go on and do this shit for an hour, guys. I really can, but you know, you can only hear me wax confidence for so long. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be – they're in the middle of a very, very big stretch. The Phillies are coming in for four games in three days this weekend. Uh, you head off for a, one, a one-off at Washington on Monday, Atlanta for three, the Yankees 4th of July weekend. Then you got two more series and you're at the All-Star break and you really got to start thinking about these things. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting next month or so. Um yeah, I, I got nothing else. I, I absolutely have nothing else right now. Just if the Mets keep winning, and that's 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 it. That's paramount. That's number one. If the Mets keep winning, good things are going to happen. I trust the organization to do the right thing to to attain the goal. And the goal is winning the 2021 World Series. And I swear, I absolutely swear, my friends, uh, we can, I could feel something very, very special happening. So on that note... Uh, we'll be back Monday. Hopefully, we'll have good things to talk about. The uh, you know the Phillies are are playing ugly baseball right now, as we saw earlier in the season. They are, uh, you know, we can get to them. We can get to them. The Mets can get to them. I hate that. I'm sorry. I never say we, but it slips sometimes. That's what the that's the camaraderie. Even the fans, we we all feel part of this right now, and that's. I guess there's nothing wrong with that. Anyway. Until next time, we'll see you guys on Monday. Let's go, Mets. Peace. Yeah.